On this episode of the Cinema Syndicate Podcast, we continue our Halloween-themed month of October by reviewing the new Netflix Adam Sandler movie, Hubie Halloween. But before we get into that, we give our marquee picks for our favorite supplemental characters in Adam Sandler movies. And of course, we always finish off the episode by rating the film and spinning the wheel. So, let's go! Welcome to the Cinema Syndicate Podcast, the movie review show that's spreading its hot take tentacles all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast. I'm Matthew Scott, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Preston Pokey Barnes. How you doing, Preston? Right on, fellas. Doing well. And we're moving our way from the left to the east. We got Mr. Joseph Fine joining us today from New Orleans. How you doing? Bonsoir, mes and last but not least, we've got Mr. Budge, the Hitman Husky in Washington, D.C. How you doing, Budge? I'm doing well, lads. Doing well. All right. So tonight we're doing the Netflix original movie, Hubie Halloween, the new Adam Sandler flick that just came out in time for the holidays. Um, but before we get into that, we always like to encourage all of our loyal listeners, please go to Apple iTunes podcast and review our show, Five Stars. If you like it, please, and leave us a nice review. It helps us out so much. And we really, really appreciate the feedback because it helps us improve the show. Um, so we're going to talk about QB Halloween, like I just said. But before we do that, we always like to get into our top three marquee picks. Tonight we're doing, in celebration of Adam Sandler, in celebration of his films, his vast, vast catalog of characters and movies, we are going to do our top three favorite supporting roles, or supporting characters, I guess is a better way of putting it, in Adam Sandler movies. Preston, you're going to kick this off. Top three supporting roles in Adam Sandler movies. All righty. Uh, number three. Let's get right into it. Going with Emilio Lopez, the butler from the Mr. Deeds, as performed <laughs> by John Turturro. Um, just a couple of things. He has a foot fetish and is known for his habit of sneaking up on people unexpectedly. <laughs> very, very sneaky. Uh, number two, I've got to go with Hal L as the nursing home orderly um, from <clears throat> from Billy Matt. I mean, Happy Gilmore, and also as we'll see, he has an appearance in Hubie. Um, real quick, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Hal L, he's uh, he's essentially he, like runs like a sweatshop out of this elderly uh, nursing home where he has the elderly residents do arts and crafts. Do you think he got for a? Uh, you think he got- Upgraded to the uh, the asylum, or do you think got downgraded because he was working in an elderly place and now he's working at an asylum? Do you think it was an upgrade or downgrade, a career advancement or a career demotion? I think as long as he can get, uh, whether it's elderly people or, or uh, you know people at the asylum, to help make his knockoff products so that he can <laughs> sell them on the, so that he can sell them on the streets. I think that's all that matters. Um, I- you know, Matthew, it's, that's a good question because, um, I, you know, I wonder if it's like teaching where you try to do your, you know, you cut your, you cut your chops at the, uh, at the public level, you know, so you can get all the benefits and then 
and get your pension. And then you switch to something a little more easy in the private sector, which I kind of think assisted living is. But, you know, working for the asylum is probably state gig. So the benefits wouldn't be bad, but you want you, you want to like end in the nursing home. And I think it's probably easier to abuse people in an asylum than it is in a nursing home. I, I agree. Uh, I, I want to also <laughs> wonder, do we, does this now create a shared universe of Adam Sandler movies? You know, we'll get in, we'll definitely get that? into that okay. later. We'll delay. All right. Sorry. Preston, go for your number one. Um, all right. My number one is this. It's not really like any particular performance. Um, I mean, I've got three here listed, but I've just got to go with Chris Farley as either the lunch lady from the lunch lady land song, uh, Zagat's SNL skit, Schmitzke SNL skit, an iconic role as the bus driver in Billy Madison, where uh, pretty much everything he says is hilarious. It's just it's hard to separate Chris Farley from certain people from that SNL time, like David Spade and Adam Sandler and I think uh, just any time they're in scenes together, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious. And I've got a it's a possible good question to ask, though, because Chris Farley and uh, Adam Sandler were like a dynamic pair on SNL. Right. And like you just mentioned, because like he was on uh, he was on Billy Madison as that hilarious bus driver who I've included in my pick. Spoiler alert. But maybe the question we'll ask before we really get going is this. Would have Chris Farley been a better pair for Adam Sandler if he like hadn't perished or whatever than he was for David Spade? Do you think that would have like worked out in terms of like their pairing, or do you think it always would have been a Chris Farley David Spade type thing? Who do you think actually paired maybe better? That's tough to say. I mean, those movies, Black Sheep and Tommy Boy, are so great. Um, so I don't know. It's really hard to say. I, I I think they'd probably end up just mixing and matching as the years went on, really. I think the I think the status quo is probably for the best because I think Farley and, and Sandler can have a tendency to be over the top and a little bit silly, and you kind of need that straight man. I think if you're going to make a film, so <laughs> that's a good you know, yeah. like keeping Spade it in, like yeah. yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, Spade was the perfect foil to Chris Farley. Right, you know he had he had to rein him in, and that was where half the the shtick came from. You know, he Farley needed somebody there to to bounce his craziness. That's, well, and it, it was also not just like a like a personality dynamic. It also was their sort of just actual physical appearance dynamic, right? right. A huge burly comedy person versus this really small petite person in uh, David Spade. So yeah, it definitely worked really well. But and I, like Preston was saying, though, like in SNL, they had like. Chris Farley and Adam Sandler had these really, really iconic things. Not just the lunch lady and also the Zagat's thing, but also the Hurley he Hurley he boy yeah, thing is so so good. funny as well. Yeah. So like they, they definitely had the chemistry to make it work. I think with yeah, with with Farley and uh Sandler, I mean you've got like two basically lead people sharing the sharing the stage. And I, I think that works obviously in, in doses with some of the things we've talked about, but I just think with Farley and Spade, I mean for whatever reason, David Spade, while he's been in some funny movies, he's certainly funny and some good shows. He just, he was always kind of like a sidekick to Chris Farley. So I, I yeah. think there's that like, you know, Adam Sandler being such a big star, maybe, maybe the two of them together wouldn't have always worked out. Be careful. Yeah, maybe they- Joseph's favorite show is just shoot me. <laughs> I didn't really watch much of that <laughs> show, but I know some people like it. All right. All right, Budge, we're going to move on to your top three supplemental characters in Adam Sandler movies. So this was pretty difficult and uh, a lot more so than I thought it would be. Um, I think I kind of, um, I left this spot open kind of depending on what 
other people would say. Uh, I did have Chris Farley in the van here initially, but I had saved this spot also for – I'm gonna. it's going to be my number three. Uh, Alec Baldwin in the Canteen Boy skits. Nice. <laughs> as, 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 that as is classic. Master. It is entirely inappropriate for Can't today. It would never be – that skit would never happen. But oh, it was just too good. Yeah, uh, I had a feeling you were going to do that one, Budge. I don't know why. That's a recurring character too, yeah. right? Like yeah. he's a recurring scoutmaster, mm-hmm. right? It's not multiple scoutmasters. It's always when Alec Baldwin's on it. If I yeah, remember. they get like I on the same. Wait. Yeah, I can't wait for the Instagram post with Alec Baldwin's face for Canteen. <laughs> <laughs> for the try, to, try to get the one where they're like, I think they share. He gets in the sleeping bag with him. Like he wedges himself in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's that face that Adam, that Canteen boy, Adam Seller has the whole time. is just so funny. <laughs> he's like clutching on canteen. his canteen. He's just kind of like. Well, I mean, it's uh, not to spoil the movie or whatever, but Canteen Boy is kind of a precursor to Hubie in terms of he has a canteen and Hubie carries around the thermos. Uh, yeah. But go around with your number two, uh, Budge. Uh, my number two, I imagine I might snake this one from Joe, but it, it would definitely be Blake Clark as Farmer Fran and the Waterboy. Uh, oh, man. Oh, my. I, that was so close <laughs> to doing that. <laughs> oh, That's so good. Uh, I, I mean, I think. Coach O is kind of like living and breathing Farmer Fran right now uh, <laughs> in the public conscious. Yeah, but for sure. It was when that character came on, I could not stop laughing. Oh, same, dude. I remember everything, <laughs> everything he says, you can't understand it. It's just yeah, like yeah. so fucking funny. Damn, well, just to clarify, Budge and Joe both have like Louisiana experience. I think Joe Joe obviously lives there right now. Budge went to law school there, so like they definitely know a sort of like a Cajun accent when they hear one. So it probably resonates a little bit better when you actually fully, fully get that full Cajun experience. Am I right? I, I, probably. I would say his is pretty good, though. You know. I, shockingly, it's, I don't think it, it, of the like kind of Louisiana <laughs> accents in that movie. People who. Well, what I'm saying is some people who like maybe watch it think it's unrealistic, but when you spend time in Louisiana, it's like, yeah, it might be exaggerated, but it's not so over the top that you, that it's outrageous, if that makes sense. Well, and it's just the, like the ability for that actor to not only come off as sounding Cajun, but also be able to like put together sentences with that like sound like something, but like you realize he's not, you can't even understand oh, what he's it's saying. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd sort of poetry about it. It's like it. the Chris uh, Kattan thing from SNL. Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> Go ahead. You're number one, budge. Uh, I, you know, my number one, and, and if, if I could known, I could have done it like Preston, I would have expanded this a little bit more, but my number one is Steve Buscemi is crazy eyes in Mr. Deeds. Dude. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, it could have gone with the hobo from, um, Wedding singer? Uh, Big Daddy. No, Big Daddy. Oh, That's yeah. That's Drunk Uncle. That's Drunk Uncle, but that would have been like the three there, too. Something. I think, to me, Bushimi is best. Like, in these, he's like the best uh, role player, bit player in Adam Sandler movies. I never know what's going to happen, yeah. who's going to be, but I know it's going to be crazy. He's such a. Uh, do any of you guys, do you guys have any, like, sort of insight in this? Because all of Adam Sandler seems like one of the most loyal friends of all time, right? He always includes his SNL friends, but Steve Bushimi was not in SNL or on SNL, how did he get included almost in this like Adam Sandler universe? Do you know, Budge? I guess you had to so figure out. I, when I was trying to figure out uh, what the hobo's name was and then the guy from the wedding center, I remember his name was Crazy Eyes. I looked this up and I saw like a, just a three-minute interview with him and I'd forgotten this, but they said that they met on the uh, set of Airheads. 
where they were oh, yeah. in the three That's roles. Right, yeah. And so and Brendan and so Fraser. After, yeah. So after that, they just kind of kept. You know, he's like, whenever he calls me, I agree to do anything. You know, I mean, it's funny because Steve Buscemi has like a wide range of characters and acting in movies or whatever. And like that people Adam Sandler usually includes includes are like Rob Schneider and David Spade and Kevin James and all of his kind of buddies. It just seemed a little bit random. And I was wondering what the connection was. But I I guess I've never really seen Airheads or whatever. Joe, did you have something? Or sorry, Pastor? Well, it's just it's just it is an interesting choice that he always seems to have because, yeah, Steve Buscemi is kind of. I mean, a very well-known, like, award-winning actor. And he always does these, like, silly roles in Adam Sandler films. And I think maybe it just speaks to, yeah, their previous relationship, but to Adam Sandler as just, like, someone in this in the world of comedy, in the world of, like, filmmaking. I think he's, like, genuinely beloved by a lot of people. Oh, just a super nice yeah. guy. I think that's just, like, standard. He's uh, just the way, he, even the way, he, like, you see all these paparazzi photos, the way he dresses, there's no way he can be an asshole because he's wearing just basketball shorts and loose T-shirts. It's There's no way it's a huge set-on or a stage or whatever. Yeah. He just seems, like, really relaxed and laid back. And I'm sure we'll talk about just the amount of people that are in this movie. Outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, we're going to move on to your top three Adam Sandler supplementary characters. Go for it. All right, gentlemen, it is good to be back. The leaves are on the ground. The air is crisp. Um, mm-hmm. So let's get into it. The mud dogs are about to take the field. That's it. That's exactly right. So actually, that leads me into my number three pick, which is going to be Jerry Reed in The Waterboy as Coach Red Bowyu of the University of Louisiana Cougars. The way he interacts with Henry Winkler as <laughs> the coach of the mud dogs, it is it is so underrated, and I think that was one of Jerry Reed's last films before he sadly passed. So, you know, just a legend on the screen, and anytime you get just, you know, corn-fried country wisdom that is Jerry Reed, <laughs> and you can't pass that up. All right. Old Bama McCall. That's it. I didn't realize gonna, he had passed. I'm pretty sure he did some hard living. Yeah, he, yeah, he passed in 08, yeah. Holy shit, I'm putting all this together right now. I did not realize Jerry Reed... Oh my god! Can we just sliding in some pieces for you, Pope? I mean, obviously, I, I've always known Jerry the musician, and I guess see, when I saw Waterboy, I did not realize that that's who that was. I never realized he had been in some movies, which I guess you know some of those guys. Obviously, Johnny Cash and The Highwayman, they were always in movies, so slightly different, but, but you know, from the same kind of the same time period. Well, that's fun. That is fun. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, so so this podcast not only illuminates like educational value on our listeners, but it also educates our actual podcasting hosts. Uh, go ahead, Joe, number two. Okay, so to bring in a previous episode of the Cinema Syndicate podcast, go to <laughs> Apple iTunes Store, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out our review of The Cabin in the Woods with Bradley Whitford. Yes. As Eric Gordon Eric- and Billy Madison. I love it. Just the just the arch type douchebag. You know, your East Coast yuppie corporate asshole is perfectly personified by Mr. <laughs> Whitford. And just, uh, you know, his performance in that movie is spot on. So he gets my nod as the second best supporting actor. Well, he also has like the best like Weasley laugh, right? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, am, I, am I making that up? good, yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and uh, like, Carl can do a great impression of it too. Yeah, Carl, they all try to like replicate it. They do it really well. Right, I ahead, love Joe. Bradley Whitford. I think he's so funny. Just a good, great actor too. 
So okay, so number one, this you know this may come as no surprise to some of you, but I'm going to go with Christopher McDonald as Shooter McGavin in the classic Happy Gilmore oh. because <laughs> so he's just evil personified. Go ahead, folks. So I bit, I'm glad I bit my tongue because I was about to be like, we could probably do a separate category of like classic villains in Adam Sandler movies because <laughs> I I the last person I considered was Shooter uh, Shooter McGavin just because it is so. He's just. How am I supposed to chill? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Listen, gal, go back to your shanties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go into your shanties. Oh my god! I mean, like, how, how often when you're on the course do you do you like think of a shooter quote? You know. Well, you can't even like. Uh, in all honesty, in terms of casting, when you think about someone who's like a yuppie, rich, douchebag, white country club guy. They cast the perfect person just in terms of his look and gave him the, just like the stereotypical look. But then, of course, the way he acts, the way he just like embraced that role so much to be almost the elitist villain that he is. It's so, so, so funny. <laughs> I mean, it really, really is just like the absolute perfect villain comedy role. He's, he's I think he's yeah, I think he's like my favorite comedy villain of all time. I love it. Yeah, that absolute douchebaggery at its finest. Wait, wait, was that movie made before Tin Cup or was it made after Tin Cup? Because like he's very, very sort of, uh, I mean, obviously the villain, like, I won't say villain Tin Cup. I can't remember his name or whatever, but Don he's Johnson. almost like that exemplified version of him. It, what? I think it yeah, is it's Don, Don Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Well, let's see. Tin Cup, 96. Was 96. And Happy Gilmore was also 96. So. Oh man! So they were like writing competing movies at the same time, but one's obviously a very, very overt comedy, and one's sort of a bit more subtle. Tin Cup technically came after, so they were probably like, "Let's do like a more serious shooter, McGavin." <laughs> I mean, just like those little like hand motions and gifts that you see of Shooter McGavin, where he's sort of like, he, like obviously they came up with the name perfectly, like Shooter, like he does a little like. Shh, like he's like cocking guns when he like makes a putt or whatever. And the way he like wore like the uh, sweater over like himself, like it's just, I don't know. It, it is so perfect. And like the way that he wanted to like buy grandma's house, everything that about him was just like pure dickhead evil, yeah. but not maybe evil in the sense that he wanted to like kill somebody, but just pure petty evil. If that makes sense. Like that, like amount of pettiness yeah. that you just absolutely hate and, and want someone to go, hey, don't you have something better to do with your time? And, like, he actually just doesn't. I mean, he tries to sabotage <laughs> Happy, you know? And he also eats yeah. pieces of shit for breakfast. So. <laughs> Bro, yeah. Happy right, kill, so oh, my to- God. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to my top three. Uh, and I've actually got a few that everyone's listed, so we don't have to talk about too much. So my top three, or... My number three is what Joe just listed. I got Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. My number two, I don't know his name. I didn't even care to look it up, but I've got Colonel Sanders from The Water Boy. Uh, <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> Good God. At <laughs> <laughs> number one, this is exactly what Preston was talking about. And I, I was going to do almost the same thing in terms of almost a. Uh, a, a multiple pick. I've got the bus driver, Chris Farley from Billy Madison. I just always find myself 
constantly rewatching the scene where he like <laughs> gets like the kids onto the bus and then he has to like look at Veronica Vaughn like up the dress and he does that like classic line. He's like, that Veronica Vaughn is one hot piece of ace. <laughs> it's just like that like <laughs> he doesn't say ass. <laughs> Ace. Uh, the fact that he does like ace. That question between like, oh yeah, I fucked her to my friend fucked her to, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could imagine that it fucked her? Yeah, like, so no, you didn't. So no, they didn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, and then at the end, he's like, yeah, Chris Farley's just like, nope, nope. No. Like, no, nope, that happened. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, at the end, though, too, he just slams the door and goes, good! Grand, great, everybody on, good, grand, great, let's go. And he just slams the door, like, doesn't even care. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so. I wonder, like, how much some of that stuff is scripted, or if, like, Chris Farley just always like just makes those lines his own. But he he's just, like, that he had like a minute of like maybe screen time, maybe two minutes, and he literally almost steals the show. What are you gonna say, bud? He had that um, outrageous big urn hair too, you know, from Kingpin. It was just like this yeah. red, greasy balding. Oh my god! <laughs> That's sort of like I swear to God, I'll turn this bus around. And then he like, like he's almost like biting his lip, like he says it again. Right? He's like, oh, really? <laughs> everything is so so funny with him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I've got the, that Chris Farley. That bit is so, so funny. He really does steal the show. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to Hubie Halloween. The do, we, do we have any honorable mentions, though? I feel oh, like oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's start with Joe. Honorable mentions. Uh, that, that's so tough. Uh, I was going to go with Kathy Bates as uh, Mama Boucher in The Water Boy. <laughs> so great. So great. Uh, she was, you know, for such a big name actress, you know, it's just a testament to Adam Sandler that he can get all of these people to, to do the films with him that, he, you know, like yeah. you get a, you know, an Academy Award nominated actress like Kathy Bates to be just a ridiculous character, like <laughs> maybe a winner. You know, she is. Yeah, right. It is crazy. Yeah. So many big, big names. Um, uh, what were you going to say, bud? You got any other ones? Yeah, I think that my two are going to be, uh. I don't know who the guy is, but he plays Cecil in Mr. Deeds. Like when he eats the frosty and like how just like Deeds. Oh man, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> he smokes the pipe. I like, think that's uh what's his face? He's one of Adam Taylor's like friends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The other one I had um was uh I just me, I just think this scene's really funny, but I I had to look up it's Alexis Arquette, mm-hmm. David Arquette's sister in um in the wedding singer. That's <laughs> when she starts singing the culture club, Boy George. <laughs> oh, Alexis Arquette. That was Alexis yeah. Arquette. Yeah. R.I.P. What do you think, Preston? Uh, I mean, I think Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. How can you forget Chubbs? And then uh, I would say, obviously, Rob Schneider, pretty much in, in any movie, in any Adam Taylor <laughs> movie. He's so great. And then I'm kind of shocked nobody picked it. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm actually a little sad about it. Uh, and then I just thought Norm Macdonald was just so funny and Billy Madison anytime he spoke or, or just was around because Norm Macdonald cracks me up almost more than I think that's Frank. I think he's uh, Frank or the other guy's Frank maybe, but it's Frank the fat one or is Frank Frank might be the Frank fat one, but just uh, you know remember. these guys just freeloading off of Billy Matt Billy Madison's family. It's just. And then Norm Yeah, Gallagher. absolutely. So to follow up on that, definitely an honorable mention is the old man who stomps the poop out on the, the doors. <laughs> and then I guess a special <laughs> shout out to the penguin and Miss Lippy. 
Yeah, the penguin and the and the old woman who says, "Don't stomp it out with your boots, Frank." Or is it Fred Dad, or I think whatever? It's Dad. <laughs> Dad, or yes, whatever. Dad, yeah. Dad, <laughs> he, he's he's eighty years old. He has years of experience of stomping out poop, and he keeps on falling for the same trick over and <laughs> over and over. His and name over. in the in the credits <laughs> is Ted Old Man Clemens. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to Hoobie Halloween, um, the feature film that we're reviewing, or whatever. Um, so I'm not gonna get too deep into this. It is a uh, Adam Sandler classic, Adam Sandler fair. It's a fun movie. It's a comedy, typical Adam Sandler movie. Um, but part of what makes this movie interesting and what we all sort of almost alluded to earlier is that it draws upon and alludes to other Adam Sandler films. So maybe just to kick it off, I want to ask, what were your favorite references? Which ones do you think worked out? Which ones were clever? Which ones seemed forced? Which ones flew under the radar? Here's some ones I've already got listed. And you tell me which guy, which you can add on to them. You tell me which ones you thought were good or which ones were bad. So obviously, Hubie Du Bois, uh, Du Bois, whatever, is both in name and in speech reminiscent to Bobby Boucher from uh, Waterboy. Julie Bowen playing Violet Valentine, which obviously starts with two Vs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her name in Happy Gilmore was Virginia Vinnett, which starts with two Vs. Veronica Vaughn starts with two Vs. Vicky Valancourt from um, you know, Waterboy starts with two Vs. Vanessa, I don't know what her last name was in Big Daddy, starts with a V. Valerie Varan and Little Nicky. And then this one's not two Bs, but Mr. Deeds, uh, Winona Ryder was Bay Bennett, which is, again, some alliteration. Um, <laughs> the O'Doyle children, I think uh, Preston was going to talk about that. Ben Stiller reprising his uh, nursing home rule. We already talked about that a little bit. Uh, small town hero thing felt like the same. The opening of it felt like Mr. Deeds. It kind of felt like he was sort of the small town hero, like in Mr. Deeds. Um the other a theme that seems to be like a constant in Adam Sandler movies was that he always almost his characters always seem to be a little bit bullied. If that's uh-huh. that seems to be correct, I don't, I don't. I was wondering if y'all wanted to talk about that because uh, I don't know if that's sort of just an ongoing theme in his movies or not. But it's sort of like with uh, Steven Spielberg, where all of his characters always have dad issues. And almost when I was thinking about it, Adam Sandler movies always have sort of bullying issues. But those were just maybe some to kick it off. What do you guys think? Which ones were your favorites? Or do you have any more to add to that, Preston? Um, I mean, you pretty much named. I actually did not uh, pick up on the VV deal, which uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, you had the O'Doyle uh, rules. I think it was just one kid. You also had uh, a. Um, I think it was a blooper at the end where they're throwing the candy at him and he picks up a dodgeball and he's like, now you're all going to die. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I think no, that was, was in the bloopers. It, so, I mean, obviously it was, it was in the bloopers that he said, now you're all going to die, but he did pick up, he did pick up the dodgeball by itself. No questions asked. Right. Like he didn't say anything in the, in the movie after they got done throwing the candy. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the movie, but in the bloopers he does. Yeah, he says the right. Line. Um, <coughs> yeah, was, I mean, was there a reference? I was just gonna say it's basically is the Waterboy character mixed with the Canteen Boy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very similar. Uh, was there a reference in the very beginning, like with like they sort of made a point to focus on like hot dogs and like Jello and stuff? Was that something that is any type of allusion to previous films, or was that just sort of? something that was supposed to be funny. Uh, I mean, I really don't know. I'm just, I'm very, very much curious if you guys thought that was something at all. Cause I, I really, it just seemed like something they were emphasizing and I didn't, I couldn't pick up on it or think about what they were doing with it. 
I just think uh, hmm. Adam Sandler's roles have always had like the palette of a child. <laughs> Are you thinking of uh, just kind of like adds to the immaturity of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sloppy, yeah, sloppy, so Jeff. Were, sloppy <laughs> Jeff. They were treating these like people in the asylum like children, and that's just sort of how Adam Sandler imagines everyone being treated. <laughs> But yeah, no, no, this movie definitely has like all sorts of like crazy weird illusions, but it also existed in, on its own. Uh, Joe, did you did you find that like uh, anything different from what we kind of listed and talked about already? Or what do you think? Yeah, one of the ones I thought was pretty funny was the, the Amish lady that was in Billy Madison and in this movie. You would think like, holy shit, that, that lady had to have been at least 60 in Billy Madison. And when she's, she pops up and goes... I, I don't know about you, but I'm asexual, and she's making me horny as shit. Hella horny was the line. Hella. She's making me hella horny. She's, hella horny. Is that the line of the movie? She's from Oakland. Do you think that's like an allusion to the whole like uh what like if he's cool, then call me like if peeing your pants is cool, call me what 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 she say? I'm sorry. I think yeah. If, uh, call me Miles, Miles Davis. Davis. Call me Miles Davis. I think. Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles that's Davis, a good yeah. point. I think that was deaf. I don't think. That's I don't not think the same woman, is it? No, there's no way. Right, it's probably not the same woman at all. I thought, like it's def- I thought it was. It definitely could be. It what well, could be definitely be a, a very real like just reference to Billy Madison though. No, I I, I can't imagine this is the exact same woman. I think, but uh, you know, either way, if you have, if you're like us, you grew up with Adam Sandler films and you've like enjoyed them, you know, for what they are and it's hilarious humor. I think this movie, I mean, it's just full of all Easter eggs from past past movies, and it's just. You know, it's fun. I kind of want to watch it again and just like point out each one of them. I imagine they're a Halloween treat. I imagine there's so many other like Easter eggs too, just to other Adam Sandler's movies that I just refuse to watch that like have just, you know, I I don't know, like as he's gotten older and some of his films have gotten a little bit worse, if we say, or maybe we just sort of grown out of his humor. But like, I'm I'm sure there's some other like Easter eggs to like some of his previous Netflix movies and like Jack and Jill and all these other movies that I just kind of like refuse to ever even acknowledge. Uh, Did any of you guys maybe pick up something on like from Click or Jack or Jill? Is what I said. Like the negative. (laughs) Yeah, it's like we're all just sort of like gravitating towards like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and stuff like that. But like I said they made a conscious effort to make these all sorts of illusions. I wonder if there's other ones that maybe we just sort of aren't picking up on. I was wondering if that's where maybe some of these other references are coming from. Yeah. I I can't really speak to that, but I I guess at some point at some level though, I think this movie's strength was probably that it was better than I expected it to be. (laughs) I don't know if that's the greatest compliment it can receive, you know, the the bar was set so low, but in that sense, it's kind of a success. Like I laughed a lot in this movie, but it was no Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison or Mr. Deeds or Big Daddy. Well, that's definitely a question to ask: Is have we sort of outgrown Adam Sandler, or is, or has he gotten sort of I don't want to say lazy, but just sort of complacent in terms of how he produces movies and writes movies? I'll say it: He was the worst part of this movie. <laughs> Adam Sandler, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I guess I have that's a, the funniest. I have, that supporting cool. cast was what was so great. You know what? You know what, Budge? That actually leads perfectly into this next question because I really wanted to ask this. Uh, so this is going to be sort of a question about uh, the jokes and the funny moment, uh, like the funny moments. But I want to frame it in sort of a different way. So in Adam Sandler's career, some of his 
funniest movies are when he stars as like the smart ass sort of straight guy. Right. So like when he's got funny people around him and he gets to sort of, sort of interact with them. Being sarcastic. Uh, so, yeah. Sarcastic. Like in Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, but he's also been able to pull off sort of the idiot, like in Waterboy and little Nicky. And this one, he definitely tries to do the idiot thing. So what were the funniest parts in this from Adam Sandler? And is Adam Sandler still capable of playing sort of the stuttering idiot? Or would he have been better off sort of crafting a smart-ass character for this? Because like I said, like you said, Budge, like, I I don't know if he can sort of do the Bobby Boucher thing anymore at his age. And like it, it did, I don't know if he was that funny in it. Or was it his, his acting or was it the jokes? You know, I, I think it's not necessarily his acting. It was just like the character was like, I, I don't, it's like you said, I don't find him funny at his age in that type of role. It just yeah. seemed kind of silly. Like the jokes that were funny were like funny with him involving it were like kind of classic. I don't know if you call them Adam Sandler jokes or Happy Madison production jokes, but like I always laugh really hard when they take a piece of physical comedy and then comment on it. Like there's one point where he wrecks the bike and he goes and exaggerates how how far he flies. Yeah, like off the yeah. bike, and they're like, "Oh my god, that was like 25 feet!" Like you know, yeah. them like calling attention to the exaggeration. That's that happens yeah. a lot in those movies, but it gets me every time. Uh, but I guess that in that sense, that was a part of his physical comedy. Um, but you know, I, the the thermos thing I kind of thought was a little silly. Um, <laughs> I yeah, thought the it, thermos was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't that bad. It was like a Swiss you know, Army knife. I'm mean, like, yeah. we, we should probably discuss all the things it did. Oh no, we. I've got a question about the thermos though, too. But like the thermos, <laughs> I thought it was actually going to play a bigger role I in the movie, just because you got to emphasize more. I thought it was going to be so. I thought it was going to be sort of like forty year old version, where like he had like the toy collection and wound up being able to like kickstart his career as owning an electronic store. I thought the thermos thing was going to be like his like amazing ingenuity and idea to where like he like got money out of it or something like at the end, but it sort of like didn't happen at all. It was actually just sort of like a plot, like a plot device to sort of make comedy. I thought it was actually going to be a bigger, bigger thing. I, uh, I think the way I'll kind of end phrasing it is I thought that if is the way people reacted to him was, was the funniest part. Like, when he like, I laughed really hard every time he got scared. You know, like, <laughs> particularly with the lamb's head, with by like the Mooney, Mike Mooney, <laughs> and, and the Ray Liotta setup. That was, I mean, I, I lost yeah. it. Like, the cut scene when when Mundy's talking about, oh, does he really get scared easily? And they <laughs> and he get they bust in on him taking a dump, and he like and he just like sprays his coke or whatever he's yeah. drinking. Why was he drinking that toilet? I don't know. That was so funny. That was pretty good. First of all, that's unfair. Anyone that gets busted in on taking a dump in a private bathroom would react the exact same way. So I don't know if that's oh, like at your workplace. I mean, there might be, <laughs> yeah. I need to look into the legal. <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, with all the scaring, and then all of a sudden they put him in like the haunted house, and you're just like, oh god, he's about to get his ass scared so many times, and he sprays the guy with the mace. Uh, yeah, I think you're right about how uh, the characters, like how they interact with him. It's it's definitely hilarious. I mean, I thought Tim Meadows in particular just was <laughs> crushing it. I mean, that one scene where it's actually, he's not even, he's just with Maya Rudolph and they just start laughing. I forget what they're laughing about, but he's laughing. He's got that costume on and the hands are like popping up in his face. And he just does that 
quintessential Tim Meadows, like over the top laughter. And it tickled me so much, y'all. I was just dying. Well, so Preston, do you think that like, so, because obviously Adam Sandler gets a ton of criticism for sort of almost, is he doing the same thing? Is he doing it more complacent or is his audience grown older? Like, do you think if we watch these movies as like 14, 15 year old kids, like we watch the old ones, we would still laugh the same way. Do you think it's still the same production or do you think it's a little bit worse? Um, I mean, I, I think for like, for us who grew up with that humor, I think that's kind of what he's going for as far as just trying to make people laugh. I mean, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I think I, I want to say going back and watch it though, we, we'll find his character a little bit more funny. I, I, I've got written down some of these like little lines that he would say that they're almost hard to hear or understand because of the accent he's doing, but he has a lot of like, quick kind of responses to what people are saying or doing to him that are pretty funny. But, you know, I think it's just going for your standard Adam Sandler humor. I mean, he probably had a lot to do to do with like writing some of this, you know, two of his, two of his like best friends uh, helped him do the movie. So, you know, for me, I just, I, you know, I, I think it's just still a, it's just a good, funny, silly Sandler movie. What do you think, Joe? Do you think this is like the same standard in terms of Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore? Do you think Adam Sandler's like level has dropped off or do you think we've just gotten a little bit older? Okay. All right. Well, here's what we have to really differentiate with that is that Adam Sandler's humor has evolved, right? So he's not going to be the sophomoric, like getting drunk by the pool like he was in uh, Billy Madison. And now he's kind of like your middle-aged dad type humor where he's the hall monitor or the Halloween. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he, yeah. he's trying to make movies for his kids and his potentially his grandkids now at this point. Um, so like, that's who his target audience is going to be for this. Like he's not going to be, you know, college kids and 15 year olds aren't necessarily what he's writing for at this point. So, you know, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt that when you go see an Adam Sandler movie at this point, it's going to be like, a, you know, like going to see a movie with your dad type thing. Yeah. So it's more family friendly now than it used to be. You know, I also think one of the things that, you, keep, you know, it's a combination of what you said of like us getting older and not necessarily maybe him losing his edge. But I also think that you have to think, keep in mind is like maybe we not that we've gotten older and it's not as funny and he's losing the edge. But the world has changed. So like. When Adam Sandler's movies first came out, you know, that was a pre-internet world that we all kind of remember, too. You know, playing pranks on the neighbor with the poop in the bag. <laughs> like, nowadays, they'd probably be, like, filming it or doing some of, you know, like, there'd be some social media component. We didn't grow up with that. Neither did Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. I was kind of shocked you didn't really see that implemented in this movie. Social like, media? You know, having them trying to, like, yeah, like, maybe like Mike Mundy recording, scaring him and making, like, an Instagram page about it. But I well, this movie definitely didn't reflect real life. Like Julie Bowen's character was a an what she was a a waitress in a diner and like owned a house and had three kids and stuff like that. And yes, she was divorced, but I don't think her like cop uh, ex husband was like paying for and all she that liked stuff. So, but, like, yeah. but, but I think one of the other things too that he did make some kind of some sorts of commentary kind of on you know post 21st century America was like with the local news, like be all those like, like just vapid and vain people and like all dressing like Harley Quinn and the kid. Like I thought there, there was <laughs> yeah, for, like commentary on cultural change, cultural shifts and changes. Yeah. That was, like, actually kind of pretty similar to what we just talked about in the scream last week. 
There really is, though, a, a lot to, as far as, you know, all the different characters. I mean, speaking of the news broadcast, it made me think of, like, the radio broadcast with Shaq uh, and <laughs> Shaq's wife. DJ Aurora. Which, that was just so outrageous. And just, uh, and, and also, that, that whole, like, five to seven minutes, there's a lot of, like, real, like, silliness going on with, not only Shaq and him having that uh, ability to change his voice to like essentially a woman's voice, uh, and then his wife having that's man- not, that's not it's really not his voice, right? It's not his voice, yeah. <laughs> but then also like the uh, that Boy, owl, Robert. y'all remember the owl that always would be like, Woo! no, what? There was like this. There were these things that these quick like montages that were all around that the scene where you see Shaq. And it would always have this owl that would pop up, and like I just know for it's got to be ha- it's got to be Adam Sandler doing the owl's voice. And it, every time it showed the owl, the owl would just go like, <laughs> and Bushimi did it a couple times too, didn't he? What's that? I said Bushimi did it a couple times too, didn't he? Oh, he kept doing like the werewolf thing, and yeah. Hello. Yeah, all right, well, Budge, you got to go back and see that. It's it's real quick. Like you can fast forward to it, and it's I, I'm just it was just so random to me. I couldn't help but uh, not bring it up. Well, no, I mean it, it does speak to though what uh, Preston was talking about earlier in terms of like almost Adam Sandler's producer or star power that he just got Shaq to sort of be this random DJ in his movie. That's not even like a big movie, I wouldn't say, and also not just like to be in his movie, but also to have like a female voice in it almost the whole time yeah. is like to convince like one of like the biggest athletic superstars of our time to come in and almost have this feminine voice is actually really, really funny. But like you said, it speaks to sort of like the power of his ability to draw people into his movies because yeah. he's so popular and has such a big audience. Yeah. I mean, um, you've got Ray Liotta, Kevin James, Ben Stiller, Steve Buscemi, Colin Quinn shows up, Dan Patrick. I was going to say, did y'all, did y'all realize that was Colin Quinn? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right Absolutely. Yeah. Colin Quinn's voice. It took, it took me a minute. I was like, how do I know that voice? Because he had the make, he had the skeleton. Makeup yeah. like, oh, it's Colin Quinn. My Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, he's a Dan perfect champion. Who? Dan Patrick. Yeah, Dan Patrick. Where was Dan Patrick? He's the principal. Yeah, he was the, the uh, yeah, school. Yeah. Oh, I must have been like, had my face buried in my computer during that You're scene. You're probably drinking soup um, out of a thermos. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to the ending oh, real Michael quick. Michael Chiklis is the priest. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, From the shield. God. That was the one person I was like, who the fuck is that? I know that voice. I know that person. Yeah, he's from the Shield, but he's also from the wildly popular Fantastic Four franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, people die every day. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to the ending and like quickly discuss like the purpose of the movie. Do you think this film achieved what it set out to do? What do you think this movie's purpose was, and do you think it achieved it? Budge? You know, it's hard to say with purpose. I, I, I don't know. I know Adam Sandler has signed a big Netflix deal that I think was like, what, 10 movies? And... This is certainly of the ones I've even bothered to watch. This was, I think, leaps and bounds better. I don't know where he is on that deal, like what number this is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think I just, I'll kind of repeat what I said. I enjoyed this movie, but my expectations are rock bottom. So when I know, when I noted like, you know, 10 minutes in, I'm like, I've laughed a decent amount at this. Like I was like, it's already, you know what I mean? Like I'm already like, this is a, this is a good movie. Like I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's certainly serviceable. Um, but as far as what it intended to be, I think he just kind of wanted to have fun with it. I think, 
maybe he realized that like some of his movies, like he's got like, I don't know if he said he needed a big hit, but he needed to like come swinging and gain back some, um, maybe some viewers like us perhaps that he had lost. I mean, I think we, you alluded to that. So maybe it was like, that was part of the deal with some of these cameos and, and get everybody involved that like, it'll, you know, draw in some of the viewers that maybe he's lost over the years. Uh, yeah. So do you think the purpose of it was to be a family film or do you think the purpose was to like, like, like Bud just said to maybe draw back in former viewers and get them involved too? Uh, Preston, what do you think? Do you think it achieved, like, what do you think the, the plan was for this movie? And do you think it like achieved it? Well, I think a part of it could be just as simple as he wanted to do a Halloween film, like a funny, <laughs> funny, not really scary Halloween movie. Um, but I think, honestly, I think the main purpose was to, uh, was for people like us who grew up with a lot of Adam Sandler stuff and Adam Sandler humor. I mean, like why else would he all of a sudden do a movie that has all of these classic characters or like, uh, actors who've been in so many of his movies and all these little Easter eggs that reminded us and uh, throwbacks to past movies. So I think, yeah, he was like, I kind of want to go back and do something that pays tribute to those movies that started my career, but also has like some new stuff as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that was, that was the main goal. I don't, I bet they didn't even consider like, maybe we'll get some new fans. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of classic, like, Adam Sandler humor that I that I feel like we've all grown up to know and and for that reason it makes me kind of want to watch it again. I mean it, it's it's not like it's not like it was a great movie. I mean I watched it with two other people and I think they were kind of like uh like obviously one of them being Emily but her friend was here and I think they were like wait is are we supposed to be laughing at is he mentally like challenged like what is this? And I was like <laughs> no nah, you know I was like come on y'all this is like the this is an Adam Sandler character to to the nth degree, but you know, I, I can see how like that has worn off on a lot of people. Um, but for me, I thought it was a funny throwback and definitely found myself laughing. Joe, what do you think? Do you think this accomplished what it set out to do? And what do you think its whole like plan and agenda was? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, to be honest, I think at this point he's trying to, I guess to expound on what I was saying earlier, he's trying to write, but his target audience are kids that are our age, a little bit older, that are starting to have children. And what he would like to, you know, have a Halloween movie that we could watch with kids while they go trick or treat. And while this is not, you know, the great pumpkin with Charlie Brown per se for like, you know, young kids, you could definitely watch it with, you know, 10 to 13 year olds. And at this point and stream it on Netflix. And I, to, for what it's trying to do, I think this would just be like that movie you put on in the background of any kind of Halloween movie for the next 10, 10 any Halloween party for the next 10 years. So, yeah, you know, yeah, you're just, probably right kind of too. Like, in like, is this like the first movie that he's ever sort of had like a, a, a kid's sort of love angle to it, right? <laughs> like, it's almost like he's like learning from like his kids dating another kid. I, I, maybe that's a terrible question to I ask. With, the, with Will from Stranger Things? Yeah, it just seems like one yeah. of those like, weird things. Like it, it was, like, it, I would say it's almost unnecessary, but I guess it added a little bit of a layer to the story. But it's sort of like what Joe was talking about. It It is sort of directed at that sort of age, right? 14 to 13 to 10-year-old kids or whatever. They're going through this sort of weird, awkward moment in terms of going through parties and Halloween parties and dating each other and blah, 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 blah. 
And I, and like Joe was right, like there wasn't anything like crazy about this movie in terms of they kept it very PG 13. Like there were like, there weren't any like extravagant scenes that or weird cuss words or weird sex scenes. Like it, it's, it's like Joe was saying, they made it very, very, very family friendly, friendly and also made it relatable to sort of that age group. So yeah. So yeah, maybe that's the right answer in terms of like what this movie was trying to accomplish was be funny and also incredibly family friendly at the same time. But yeah. it's like Preston said too, is like, it's, it's trying to sort of peel in some of that former audience by alluding to former characters and having former sort of allusions to like some of his classic movies too. So maybe he almost like tried to have a huge broad brush with this movie I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I really don't know what it was really trying to accomplish. I, I do think he's, like Joe said, was trending towards being more family friendly. Yeah. But well, and some of those old Adam Sandler fans do have, I mean, like have kids and they're probably like, yeah, let's, those... let's watch, let's watch this and see how it is. And, and I bet it was nice for them. It's almost like sometimes if you go to an animated movie and they're like those little secret parts for the adults, <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, uh. that is funny. Like maybe, it is funny, like maybe if Netflix, like the like the people who are like accumulating all this dad data, are saying like, you know what, all of Adam Sandler's fans actually have kids now, so you need to make a movie for your former fans that have kids because that almost feels exactly what this is for. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna move on to the wheel questions here, and we're gonna wrap it up. So the ten wheel questions are: Let's start a GoFundMe. That's number one. Number two, choose one. Number three, let's grab a beer. Number four, Stevie howling at the moon shimmy. Number five, let's talk policy. Number six, create your own. Number seven, whammy. Number eight, going to pound town, USA. Number nine, Hubie in our hearts. And number 10, respin. So we're going to do three or four of these, and then we're going to get on to our ratings. All right, number four, Steve Howling at the Moon Bushimi. This actually is kind of a shitty question, but we're going to ask it anyways. So Steve Bushimi is an interesting-looking person, to put it mildly. <laughs> and he plays a werewolf in this film, and it almost sort of plays on what we were just talking about to keep this family friendly. But we never actually see the werewolf in his full form. Do you think that was a budget reason, or do you think that his appearance as a werewolf, Steve Buscemi's eyes and everything and all, would have been too scary and made it rated R? Uh. <laughs> well, wasn't it determined at the end that he was just a mental patient and like he was obsessed with be- wanting to be a werewolf? So it was all like, Correct. no, 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 he was an actual. Werewolf I don't, I don't think so. No, no he, he was wasn't. Not. Yeah. yeah, he was the roommate He's of like Rob Schneider. He's like 400-something years old, Preston. I thought he was growing He was growing hair and like – like no, no, no. He was definitely a werewolf. No, he was definitely not a werewolf. And it's like Preston said, he was in the he was in the mental institution with Richie, Ricky Preston. Hartman. And they were roommates. Rob Schneider. And he had this oh, how did, of delusion that he was a werewolf. Where did the hair on his arms come from at that scene? Hair. I think he that glued it. And he like pooped himself on the floor. That was fake hair, Joe. Oh. I don't know. Uh, and the, and I feel like okay, the wall. I feel like I'm, I felt like I'm being ganged. I felt like this was like the one thing that was sort of like supernatural in this film is that like there was an actual werewolf. Joe, what do you what do you think? Don't get bullied by these two people. Uh, you know, I I always thought he was a he was 
that was part of his character was that he had escaped from, you know, the insane asylum and that, you know, he had lived for so long that he was just, you know, crazy old dude that they had locked up at this point, you know. I thought he was over 400 years old, Matthew, to be honest with you. Okay, well, I, I was in the impression he was a real werewolf. So there's a, there's, a, there's a reference he makes that's a clue that you're supposed to think that he might be Walter Lambert, the guy that was lived in the 1600s, because right. he goes, how old are you? And he goes, in human years? But what he's referencing, and when you finish the movie, is like he's referencing dog years. Right. So, but like you're supposed to think that he's like, oh, man, he's Walter Lambert. He's been alive since the 1600s. Maybe he was part of the Salem Witch Trial. And there's also right. uh, there's also a part where like when they're just like the uh, – I think it might be Keenan, but they're talking – somebody's coming to get he and uh, Ricky, and they're basically saying, um, yeah, he they both escaped, and – he walked past this tombstone of some guy named Walter Lambert, and get, that's the name he chose, but his name is actually... And they and they tell you his real name in the movie. Well, I know that the name was fake. I just thought the whole werewolf thing was real, but I guess maybe I'm 100% wrong. He said he bit by his brother-in-law. I was, that, right. pick, that reminded me of a funny line when, when he does say, like, age is... When he asks uh, Walter, when Hubie asks Walter how old he is, and he's like... Uh, I, you know, like age is a mental or a social construct or something like that, or it's like a mental thing or whatever. And then under his breath, you hear Hoobie say, like, that's why I played T-ball until I was 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that actually is that, that again, that almost goes back to like, uh, what do you say? Adam Sandler having like the smart ass lines are better than when he's like stupid or whatever. Right. So, because I feel like that almost is like a smart ass Ben Silver line. I mean, not Ben Silver, Adam Silver line. So uh, we're going to spin it again. Oh, God. So I'll we're at number one supernatural thing because the mom did disappear. That is also, true. how the hell was she like pulling people like that? She was a witch, guys. <laughs> okay. right? Well, that's, that's, that's something to like talk about in all horror movies. How does the actual person almost have this ability to do everything? All right. So choose one. We've already discussed that this film. Features cameos and allusions from other Sandler movies. So which character from another film would you have tried to fit into Hoobie Halloween? Uh, Budge, which one would you maybe like think of a moment in this movie that maybe you could fit one of your favorite Sandler movie uh, characters? We obviously already already did our top three favorite supplemental characters. So maybe try to fit one of those into Hoobie Halloween. How would you do it? Well, I think Mr. Deeds kind of takes place in a um, in like a quiet New England town, if I remember correctly. So I, I feel like yeah. you could throw in Crazy Eyes, Bushimi, although he obviously is, is like in this movie too. <laughs> um, and like in some, in some way is like maybe he was in the mental institution or um, I think you could also do, uh, it, you know, obviously Rob Schneider, I was expecting a You Can Do It. At some point, the townie. Like, yeah, like just coming. Uh, but I guess th- th- those are two I'd like to see. I would have liked to see, or I thought you could have like fit in there somehow. Joe or Preston, what do you think? Yeah, Wilson you- literally just said about uh, townie Rob Schneider in um, the Water Boy. That was classic. That was just on the tip of my tongue. Um, if let's see, if if I if I could pick, you know. If, if I'm going to go Happy Madison Productions, there definitely could have been a Joe Dirt reference or, <laughs> you know, a David Spade in a mullet somewhere in the background yeah. of like running around, throwing eggs on, you know, listening to the lip, Def Lip, 
you know, in his Thunderbird, you know, something like that. That that could. I thought that would have been. I thought that was like an easy way to do it was to have some of the kids maybe dress up as former like uh, characters from Adam Sandler movies. But go ahead, Preston, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, since we had since none of us picked Rob Schneider and we're kind of already talking about, I probably would have gone with his character. Not uh, I think it's Nazo or Nazo from Big Daddy, because I, I feel like that would be a great character to compliment uh, Hubie since Hubie doesn't really have any friends necessarily. I feel like if there was one character that could be kind of on his level, it'd be Nazo, who's like, you know, the funny delivery guy and Big Daddy. Um, I don't know. I think that could be a funny, funny inclusion. Yeah. The only thing, the other thing I thought would have been like maybe interesting to do was maybe take some of the kids from Billy Madison and like have them be grown ups, like maybe Ernie from Billy Madison is actually oh, wow. like a 30 year old man now. Like maybe like have them sort of be in the film or whatever. I don't know. It was just something I thought about. So we're going to spin the wheel one last time, and then we'll get into the ratings of Hubie Halloween. All right. Number five, let's talk policy. So it's a great sort of uh, topic here with the election coming up. So let's talk policy. The last scene in the film, Hubie is revealed to be the new mayor of Salem. What type of policy do you think he'd be introducing? What was would be his first order of business as mayor? Joe, what do you think? Uh, it would definitely be some stiff penalties on kids that took more than one candy out of the, <laughs> the uh, jack-o'-lanterns on your patio. I think that would become a uh, a death penalty offense. <laughs> what do you think, Budge? I, I think you, he'd definitely make a move to secure proper funding in a, in a uh, sustainable budget for the auxiliary undercover unit. Um, oh, yeah. himself <laughs> of the Salem Police Department. Do you think he'd be like? Uh, he obviously didn't react re- retaliatory in terms of like his mom sort of almost killing all those people. But do you think he would do it in a policy standpoint to some of his former bullies? Um, well, you know, that's an interesting question, Matthew. I I don't know if he's the mayor. About the only person he could really like, I think, kind of mess with to a degree would be uh, Kevin James's character. But I don't think <laughs> he really bullied him. Like, I don't think he had yeah. a beef with, with KJ. No, he didn't. He's just like his, his but, sort of new wife's ex-husband. But, but realistically, I think that, you know, what what Hubie's trying to do is make sure that we don't have a repeat of George Wallace as the mayor in which we put town safety second behind the economy, which, I mean, speaks a lot of volumes about this life. Well, a lot of parallel. Yeah, That's right. your deep you don't know how you're going to act. You don't know how you're going to act until you're in the hot seat, though. So, uh, Preston, what do you think? Um, well, I do think that he would enact some kind of uh, stiff penalty for throwing things at bicyclists, which, <laughs> by the way, it was so funny. If you notice how, like, I guess over the years he's gotten used to people throwing shit at him. He's, like, really good at dodging all of it. You know, he's, like, abnormally good at just moving around. Well, one of the weird scenes, like, that never came back up was the opening scene where he's riding his bicycle through sort of downtown Salem, and he almost, he just vomits. Yeah, well, he took, he, he drank the eggs. They're all eggs. Oh, yeah. okay. He called him, oh, okay. he called him in the thermos. He called, what they're doing is, hey, free breakfast. See, yeah, okay. See, right, I guess, right when that happened, I was like, this is going to be, like, classic old school Sam, I, I Sandler humor. Exactly what I thought. I was going to ask y'all what y'all thought for the first two minutes we had a Projectile bomb. Yeah, I was like, this yeah, is great. that was so weird. Like, I, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, like, why do you? Uh, you know, I was expecting old, a lot more. Was kind of classic Sandler right there too. It was. I thought it was actually pretty funny. Is when he flew off the bike, looking at uh, 
that Miss Valentine. Oh yeah, hit the car. And, and he came up and hit the and he hit like the robot. <laughs> like I saw that was like like he kind of tried to act like he was a part of the set. Like yeah, <laughs> kind of made me think of Wayne's World too. Um, and the last thing I'll say is he he would uh, put together some kind of education uh, initiative where every child gets a Swiss Army thermos. <laughs> That's what I was. I honestly thought that he was gonna like make a bunch of money off the thermos instead of turning to the mayor. I thought he was gonna like have this sort of like tech company come. How did you include all these things into this simple thermos? And you go, oh, like you know, sort of like Bobby Boucher, like sort of, oh, like I don't know. Um, anyway, so we're gonna move on to our rankings here or our ratings, excuse me. Um, Preston, we're going to kick it off with you acting in Hubie Halloween out of 25. And we're going to go Preston, Joe Budge, and then me. This is tough. This Preston. is tough. Let's be real. This is kind of not a really, it's not an easy <laughs> movie to rate because as a movie, it's not like, it's, you know, it's not impressive in a sense of like, oh, wow, the, you know, like movie critics, everyone's like, this isn't a must, this is a must see. This is a movie for specific people, I feel like, like <laughs> us who enjoy that humor to, to an extent and also really enjoyed all the Easter eggs and all that stuff. So as far as the acting goes, you know, it's nothing great. Um, I, I'm just going to give it a 19. All right, Joe, uh, out of 25, the acting. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to give it an 18, Peyton Manning. <laughs> NFL Manning. I think I think I think Press is rather the money though in terms of this isn't really right. Yeah, this isn't I didn't want to that's that. expecting the high score. Right. Budge, what do you think? I mean, if we're if we're ranking this amongst our on the same level, I, I guess I really got to give it a ten. I, I don't. I, I didn't really love Adam Sandler's performance. I thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm I given before. I didn't think he was a strong part of this movie. Yeah, it's it's weird though because are people acting in the, in the way that they're expected to act because it's an Adam Sandler movie, or are they just acting poorly in general? Because Julie Bowen's, I think, is a pretty good actress, and like she had sort of some really cringy moments that I didn't know if it was because of the dialogue or because it was just because of she had to sort of play off of Hubie's character. I really don't know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna meet you in the middle there, Budge. I'm gonna go with a 14. Characters: Preston out of 25. What you got? Okay, so for me, this is to me this is the best part of the movie is are the characters because they are there's they're plentiful, so like you don't really get tired of any characters because you keep getting new ones. Um, they're all silly, and there's just like it's just so it's a lot of big names, so it's 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 kind of what I think makes this movie like chug along um, because you just do have so many characters, and the way they relate to Hubie can be pretty funny. Um, but again, it was like nothing incredible so i'm just giving it a 21 joseph you know uh <laughs> it's it's real tough um because i love adam sandler so much so i don't really want to shit on his movie too badly so i'm gonna go with a 19 19 yeah budge what do you think about the characters I, I, this is gonna be one of the highest marks i give it i i totally agree with preston in that th this is this is what made the movie the movie. Um, I, I'm going to give it a 15. Uh, I I got to say, Joe, I've been kind of meant to ask you what you thought of. Um, uh, let's see, what were their names? Uh, Louise and Dan, who owned the pig. <laughs> they were so funny. <laughs> the, the, the which ones now? 
Louise and Dan who own the pig. Like when he comes, he's like, Peanut is dead. Oh, it's Huel from Breaking no, Bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're yeah. two pretty uh, famous uh, in, insult comedians. That, that was a, yeah. uh, such a classic Yo Mama yeah. back and forth. That was Le- I was on the Lavelle floor. Crawford. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to throw away yeah. the shower curtain. <laughs> yeah. Stinks so bad, you throw away the shower curtain. Had me on the fucking yeah. floor. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. The characters were were pretty pretty funny. Yeah, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna give this a 19, just like Joe did. Um, all right, so music. I don't even know how heavily this was featured, even though it was kind of a little bit because of it was almost a plot point in terms of Hubie calling into the radio station. So, Preston, what's your take on the music? Um, well, I I, I think they had uh. A song like they created for it, which I think was at the end, the Happy Halloween or Hubie Halloween. I, I think it was like an original tune. I needed, I meant to check that. And then you had some of the classics like Monster Mash, uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, you had some other stuff. So I mean, like, I love all those songs. I, I don't see, like, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, there was no like great score or anything, but I feel like they put like a, a lot of effort into having like some good classic Halloween songs as well as having their own. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna give that an, another 19. All right, Joe, music. Matthew, it's one of those uh, classic ones where you 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 say that you really didn't notice the the the, the score, <laughs> so it's gonna be hard for me to give it a good one. So I'm gonna go 15. Okay, Budge, what do you think about the music? Uh, I think this is when I gave a stronger march too. And if it's if it's just for the Ray Parker Jr. Bustin' makes me feel good. Uh, yes, but I was gonna. Me feel good. Yeah, I was gonna keep going <laughs> that. But it, I mean, it's a classic, and ju- and just for that, I gotta give it a fifteen. Yeah, so I'm gonna give it a twenty, just like uh, what Preston said. There's no complaints about it. I didn't think this was a movie that like needed too much music to accentuate the plot or anything, but it didn't actually like make too much of a difference in it. But I'm still gonna give it a nice solid twenty. So we're gonna go on to the plot before we wrap it up, Preston. The plot. Out of twenty five. I mean, to me, this is the this is the weakest, even weaker than the acting. I mean, the plot. Oh, the plot is like. I mean, it's it's. I think we like to use this word. It's serviceable. It works out for this movie, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't like anything um, special. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess you're kind of trying to be like, oh, who's it going to be? It's seems like it's um, Mr. Lambert. Well, now it's you know. So you kind of have a little hoot on it, which can be kind of fun. Uh, I think I'm just going to give that a. 15 15 all right joseph yeah the plot was the weakest part for me uh you know it was really hard for me to follow like what the actual deal was other than just like <laughs> he was trying to protect halloween yada yada so i'm gonna go 12 yeah no you're absolutely right in terms of like i got confused in terms of the the way the plot changed is when he finally meets Shaq at the radio station <laughs> which i felt was totally fucking bullshit but go ahead uh budge what do you think in terms of the plot yeah i mean it was a Halloween movie and, and there was a little mystery. So you always get me with a mystery, but it was still, you know, it was still pretty weak. So I'm going to go with a 10. <laughs> 10. All right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm probably way too generous. I'm going to give it a 15, but like I said, I there's so many problems with it. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for our view of QB Halloween. Adam Sandler's most recent movie on Netflix it's still fun. It's still funny. Go watch it if you can, even though we kind of rated it poorly. Anything, any last regards before we close this out? With- 
Budget makes me feel good. <laughs> I like that. Joseph, Joseph with the crazy sunglasses on, you look like Macho Man Randy Savage there. Ooh, just stay dry, everybody. <laughs> All right, Preston, last words before we close it. Go vote. My eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It got on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom. Vampire's peace. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests. And his son. The scene was rocky, all were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the mash. They played the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They played the mash. It caught on in a flash. They played the mash. They played the monster mash. Out from his coffin wax voice did ring. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on and flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax's a part of the band And my monster mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what is said Then you can mash Then you can monster mash The monster mash And do my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can monster mash Master 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 Master